Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, uh, he is a longtime friend of the show, vice president of player personnel. His name is Ryan Carr, who's joining us now, the Pacers. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, John? So, uh, what uh, what ha- what happened today? Can, are you allowed to talk uh, about that? No. Uh, if something happened I'm today, are you allowed to talk about it? Uh, no, nothing that I know of happened today. There's a lot of speculation about a lot of stuff going on. Well, look how savvy that, that I read. But um, look how savvy yeah. you're! Such a savvy dude. I knew you were. <laughs> hey, okay. So beyond that. Um, that's okay. I understand that. So who are you guys going to draft at number seven? You going to tell me that or uh, tell me to get bent? I mean, you, you ask me this every single year I know. and, uh, you keep asking and I mean, how could I possibly know something that's going to happen in, uh, you know, 27 hours or so? Oh, now? cause you guys are locked in, right? This well, is like the culmination in, but... of months, a month of, uh, of workouts and interviews no and question. such. Yeah. yeah, we've we've had a busy month with all these picks and getting all these guys in. I think we've probably set a a Pacers franchise record for a number of prospects um, coming through the doors, which has been a, a ton of fun. And the last few weeks has has been busy. And um, yeah, just it's been a lot of fun. We'll know more people in this draft probably face to face than any other draft um, since I've been here. So, yeah, it's been busy and fun, and looking forward to seeing what happens tomorrow night. Yeah, a little bit higher you drafted a year ago. How did last year in in finding, unearthing in this case, just a, a really good rookie season for Benick Matherin, how did that compare, you know, sizing up that group compared to the work you guys have put in in the past month here this year? Yeah, we're certainly hopeful. I mean, you know, we all three picks last year, uh, I mean, Ben and Andrew and, and Kendall Brown were super excited about. And if we can recreate that um, tomorrow night and, and get guys who we we feel are going to be as good as those guys, then it'll be another great, uh, great night. Uh, I want to ask you this because I know uh, none of which I am about to ask you. Um, how do you size up? I mean, athleticism, shooting ability, certainly in the moment in which they're working out in front of you. I mean, you can yeah. see that, and even even if even if Ryan the shot's not going down, it's probably somewhere yeah. in the general vicinity, and you probably know that the stroke looks really good. But how do you size up somebody that you would expect and has, I, I guess, a prowess of playing on the defensive end? How do you size that up in workouts? Yeah, I mean, I think right. Like, I mean, we spend you know a lot of these guys we've been watching for years certainly a couple years at the least. And, and now with the COVID years in college, you know, half a decade or more, uh, some of these guys as well. So, you know, you, you know what you feel like, you know what they can do um, with the, as much as you've seen them live and you've watched tape on them and, and, and all of that. Um, so, so getting them in, what, what's great about the workouts is getting them in and being able to put them in, specific situations with our coaching staff and and see how they respond and 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 let them 
you know, see, try to see if they can do some of the same things that they've done uh, that's made them successful in a, you know, in an NBA style setting, which is different than college. Like the games are different. There are different rules altogether, you know, honestly. So you've got to learn a whole new, a new, you know, kind of a whole new game in some ways. Some of it, uh, the basics are certainly the same, but, um, you know, what, what Coach Carlisle may ask him to, to do here would be, you know, a little bit different just because of rules and, you know, the way the NBA is played. So you put them in those situations. So, you know, there's there's guys who do better in a in a in in an NBA situation. There's guys that it takes longer to figure it out. There's guys that, you know, maybe were really good in their college program that, that don't, you know, adapt well to it. So you're just trying to get clues into all of that. Um, you know, in that 45 minutes to an hour that they're on the court. The vice president of player personnel, he's Ryan Carr, the Pacers, kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did you have anybody that you saw, and I know you're not going to name names, I respect that, but I'm going to ask anyway, did you have anybody where you thought, oh, wow, this year oh, at yeah. the end of a, yeah, every, a workout? Every year. Yeah, every year, um, this year included. They're just, again, when you get, get somebody maybe outside of of where they were and and they can just show maybe they're able to do more than what they were asked to do for their college team or um there's there's definitely oh wows uh and it's fun to see those and you know get gets you excited for the the potential that you know that player may you know may possess and you hope that you see it and none of the other teams see it that they go around and, and work out for uh, but it, it definitely happens. I, I don't think it's you know common. It's not happening with a huge number of the kids, but it definitely will happen throughout the process. What do you put more stock into? You put more stock into you know what you either see live inside a venue, what you see on tape, or these individual workouts and interviews you guys perform. Yeah, I, I think you you have to go on the the larger body of work. Um, you know, our, our scouting staff works tremendously hard going to games all around the world, um, to watch all these guys and, um, you know, multiple times and, you know, they're writing reports and ranking guys and doing all their work. So, you know, I, I think you, you have to, the biggest part of it has to be on that, but, but, you know, also who these guys are, you know, the, the, you know, Intel, you find out about them, the interviews, you know, you you can watch a kid, and you can you can kind of get a preconceived notion of what you think that kid would would be like when they sit down in an interview, and they may be totally different for the good or the bad, or you know. And so you you've got to go go through all of that, and it all goes into it. Uh, we we hope that over the years we've we've kind of honed in on the kinds of kids that can be successful here, and and working with you know Rick and and his staff on what, you know, kind of what kind of player may help them and, and then taking this group and and looking through it and, and by the way, not passing up on a, a really, really talented kid that, that may be there over over just a need. So there's all these different things that we spend weeks talking through and going through scenarios, uh, trying to figure out to make sure that we, we can be as prepared as possible. Do you know who you want to draft right now? There's a there's a there's a small group of guys that I think we feel really comfortable at uh, at in the picks that we have and 
you know, we're trying to trying to get information from around the league to to see if those guys will be there. Uh, but we feel pretty good at each of the picks about um, you know a few guys that we like in those those ranges. So we, you know, Kevin's pretty aggressive. Um, you know, we, we've done it in the past where in the draft we'll we'll try to try to make sure that we we try to get somebody we like. Um, you know, sometimes you're able to move, sometimes you're not. You know, it takes takes two to to make a trade, and um, you know. You, you have to work that out and, and on the clock you have to, you know, work it out quick. So Kevin's really good at that and makes quick decisions and, um, you know, just try to try to make sure we'll come out of this with, with uh, a few guys that we like, which I, we're confident we will. So Ryan Carr, the Pacers joins us. I, I'm kind of curious about this. Is there uh, two things actually, but I'll start right here too. Sure. Um, it's great because you know you are a part of a team that can score 135 in a game. I mean, easily. Yeah. Offensive talent is there, but yeah. not so good in terms of what they sometimes will give up because sometimes they'll give up 137. So where is the priority as far as addressing the defensive side going into this season, in this offseason for your team? Yeah, I think, you know, when we get got done with the season and, and even during the season talking about it, but, you know, it's definitely something that we're looking to get better at. We, we need to. I mean, for our team to keep getting better, um, you know, some of these young guys, there's always an adjustment, and we've got to help them and, you know, add other players uh, to the team who are who who want and will, you know, defend. Um, you know, the, the rules – uh, favor offensive basketball, but that you know you still need to uh, be able to stop some people, and that's something we we are focused on improving for sure. So Larry Bird was with you in a number of those workout settings. Yeah, uh, former coach, uh, obviously former team president. Yeah, how do you utilize him now? Yeah, he, you know Larry, he's helped us since he's uh, since he stepped down from president. However many years ago he's helped us all i think but one year and this year it seemed to get a little bit more uh you know publicity than normal but uh it you know you're talking about larry and his experience and all those different facets that you just mentioned and he loves the draft he's been studying it all year it's fun to you know to talk with him throughout the year and and uh you know, keep him up to date on uh, on these guys, and he's watching film like crazy and watching games, and you know, so to get his his input, he's always loved the draft. He loved the draft when he was president. Um, it was always something that he put a lot of time into, and so just to have his voice, uh, you know, obviously Kevin values it. We all value it, um, and so it's it's just fun to to have him here. He has a you know perspective as. Larry Bird that, you know, I could never have, would never profess to be able to have. So, uh, and, and other than, I think, I think Brian Winters is, would probably rank as our second best NBA player that's on our uh, scouting staff. And, and having those kind of voices are really, uh, just really important because they've played the game. They were really, really good if, and great players. Um, so their perspective is just really, really useful and, and valued. I'm assuming that, that most of you in that room 
prioritize at the top of your list of, of what you're looking at in a player, uh, prioritize things differently. I'll ask you first, what, what's your top priority in what you're looking at with a player? And, and I guess we'll factor in this too, Ryan, what you're looking at in a player you believe best fits this team moving forward. What's the at the top of your list? Yeah, well, the the draft is interesting, right? Because the draft is not like, you know, you can create the perfect player um, wherever you're picking. So, you know, you, there may be a player that's a really good shooter who's really talented that at, at one team would have more opportunity. You, you know, we were just talking about defenders. There's some guys who are really good defensively but maybe not as good defensively. There's all these there's all these different strengths and weaknesses, and then there's just pure potential, right? So, you know, a guy that gets picked, you know, in this draft, if you're talking about Wembeyama or, or some of these other guys at the top of the draft, you know, you're hoping if you draft them, they, you know, they should be all-stars. And that's just a, you know, if not, you know, you're hoping even, you know, multiple-time all-stars. So it's different. Like, um you you know if you have a chance to pick any position of somebody that you think could be you know a multiple time uh, all star you probably need to do that um, you know rather than picking the one position that you just need to fill the hole you know that that's not a good idea so you know keeping that in mind um, we you know we break down the rankings into tiers this has been talked this is no like you know, team secret, this is what many, many teams do, if not all of them. And, and kind of the rule is if you have a chance to draft somebody in the highest tier remaining, regardless of the position, you should do it. Now, if there's, you know, similarly talented guys that, that on potential and future projection you think are going to be similar, then, you, you know, then it's safe to go uh, to a need. But but the problem is if you if you just draft straight for need and you're and you and you pass up more talented players, you can look at any draft from the NBA or any other league, you know, in any year, and nobody tries to pick a player that's not going to work out. And yet there's players, whether it's the first pick, second, fifth, you know, twentieth, whatever it is, many don't work. And there's a variety of reasons for that, um, but you can look at it every team picked that player thinking that they were going to succeed. So looking at the hit rates and, and, and all of that and how guys perform historically, you, you want to pick a player that has the best chance to be, you know, a good, the best NBA player um, available in that range. So it's, it's really kind of something we talk through a lot. We work through it a lot. Um, it's something we're talking about while the draft is going on um, as we talk through, again, how the, how the draft is playing out, what particular scenario that, you know, it's looking like it's going to come to. Um, and that's kind of the, the way you go through it. It's, uh, Ryan Carr is with us, the vice president of player personnel for the Pacers. Again, kind enough to join us the day before the draft here in the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, can I ask you about individual players you guys had in for workouts yeah, and your thoughts? Sure. Do you mind? If, yeah, sure. Um, 
Jess Walker out of Houston, um, and this is what – you don't give a crap about what I think, and I understand that, but I'm just going to give you my thoughts. You don't know that. I might be hanging on a – I might be just <laughs> hanging on this, waiting for, to hear what you think. Okay, well, I'm going to keep it short. S- very simple, then. He looks like that of the players that may be – let's just say this. The players that you have worked out, he looks as ready-made to me to to give you guys some production on both ends – the earliest, the quickest here. What did you see in his game and watching Houston tape, and then what did you see in his workout? Yeah, I think with with Jarris, obviously you see the body, right, for for his age and um, kind of where he is. He's 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 just a very mature uh, body. Like that's that's different than a lot of you know eighteen and nineteen year old kids in this draft. He, you know, he has a. He, I think he has a really nice feel. I think he, like you said, he has a a chance to impact both ends of the floor. Um, you know, to step in right away. I mean, I I think he's still going to be a rookie. He's going to have a lot, a lot to learn, um, as as do all these guys. Um, but I do think that he does have some some feel and some skill level as a power forward that. Um, you know, uh, you know, is is unique for his age, and I I think, you know, you go and see him play, and he's unselfish, and um, he likes playing, uh, making plays for other people, and uh, again, defensively, he's he has a chance to be very good with that body and being able to take contact and guard fours, and yet be you know pretty athletic. So, you know, he was an interesting um, player. For sure, along with the number of these other guys that I don't know if you'll ask me about. Oh, Taylor Hendricks, yeah, Taylor Hendricks. I mean, yeah. So go down the, you know, Taylor. Taylor can shoot the ball. He, he, you know, he's a phenomenal kid. He gives you again two way presence. He, you know, his block shots and uh, his ability to move his feet and uh, just a great kid. Jarris as well. Both of them really, really great kids. Um, You know, I, I think Taylor's the first thing that he can do probably tied two things uh, would be, you know, defensively ability to move his feet for a big guy and then being able to hit, hit shots as he did at central Florida. So um, I think, you know, you talk about those two guys they are, they're totally different, um, but both have a chance to be good players. Cam Whitmore. Yeah. Cam, Cam's a powerful wing player. Um, You know, you're talking about a kid that, was MVP of, a, of the U19 uh, tournament last summer. Um, and he came off the bench for that tournament, was still MVP. Uh, he's, he's just a physical force. Um, you know, uh, he and Jairus, again, you, you know, he brought up Jairus's body, and I think Cam, Cam much the same, um, has, has ability and athleticism that he should be able to, to play both ends of the floor. Um, and just that, you know, I, I think he's a gamer. Like, I think, you know, you talk to coaches and stuff and they talk about how he loves when the light lights come on. And he, he kind of had a setback this year, you know, he missed some games with an injury and, um, you know, but when you saw him before, before Villanova, he was, he was a dominant, dominant player. I'm honestly, I just kind of want to bring up right now, guys. You had in for an individual, then I'll maybe sprinkle in a couple that you had in for the sure. the multiplayer workouts. Grady Dick yeah. of Kansas. I mean, can flat shoot it? 
Uh, Grady is a is a shooter. He's, he's he's pretty athletic. He's got great size. Could end up one day playing three and four. Um, you know, uh, just a, a great shooter is what comes to mind when you when you bring his name up. Did he um show you guys uh, an increased level of athleticism? Maybe maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't see when he was a freshman at Kansas at all. Yeah, I think you saw hints of it um, at KU, uh, but I think you know we do some stuff with them, and it, it would, I think we got a pretty good uh, look at his athleticism here for sure. Who else you have in individually that I'm not naming? Oh, I think that that might be that might be it. Yeah, it might be. I think that's it. Actually, you got us pegged. Um, here's one guy that I like. Um, and you brought him in. I think he was like in the group of the first workouts you guys had from UCLA. He, he just he's a winner, I and mean, that's kind of at the top of the list here. What do you think about Jaime Hawkes Jr. and how he translates oh, yeah. to the next level? Yeah, Jaime's you know Jaime's a, a multi-skilled kid that, like you said, a winner. UCLA has has won a tremendous amount of games under Coach Cronin, and you know those guys are coached. Uh, they're challenged. They're you know they're you're not gonna not play hard and play defense and be tough and make great decisions at UCLA and um, you know he did all those things and you know just a just a I think you summed it up. He's he's a winner. Um, he knows what to do and when to do it. And you know I, I would think that that will translate for him to the next level. Did you guys bring in Ben Shepard of Belmont? We did, yeah. Ben came in, and um, Ben's a, you know, Ben's a really good player. Maybe a little bit under the radar for fans, um, you know, just in general because he played at Belmont, but can really shoot high IQ, plays really hard. Um, you know, he's he's you know he's he's a guy that uh, has gotten better every single year at Belmont, and you know, yeah, like like it's said, just a has a chance to be a good a good wing. So again, Ryan Carr, the Pacers, he joins us. What did you think when, when Trace Jackson Davis came in and worked out for you guys? Yeah. You know, Trace, I mean, Trace is a a great kid. Obviously we get to see him a ton and close. Some of us are, are pretty close with that program down there. And, and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's just, I mean, it's his career speaks for itself. Um, you know, he's athletic, he's strong, he can really run. I think the thing that really impressed me with Tracer's game this year was actually his passing and him seeing the floor, whether he was in the post or, you know, faced up to the basket. He really saw his teammates well. Uh, and I think that that's something that in the NBA he can be utilized to do. Um, but I think he, he showed in the pre-draft process uh, an ability to shoot that, you know, we just didn't see with what they had him do at IU or what he did do. So, you know, there's Trace's Trace is gonna Trace is gonna be a good NBA player and and should have a long a long career if he keeps working as he has and and keeps doing a lot of the stuff that that he's been doing, you know, and he did at IU. I, I know that he shot. We had him on after the workout too, and I know that he yeah. uh, he, he shot the ball. I, I don't know how often, even like at Center Grove, I don't know how often I ever saw him taking perimeter jump shots. That's that yeah. was still kind of weird. Yeah, for sure. But you know, he he looked confident in it. Um, he had a good shooting workout, and you know, you I, again, like just haven't seen him do it a ton in in games, so. 
you know, is his confidence ready to do it in games? I don't know. And in, in drills, he looked he you know he looked like he'd been working on it. And again, with the, with the other stuff that he can do, if, if that's you know if that is the case that he'll do it, then you know it's going to add a whole nother dimension to his game. He's a Pacers vice president of player personnel, Ryan Carr, talking about uh, those that they have worked out, a part of tomorrow night's NBA draft. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. For the criteria that you guys had a year ago, this time a year ago, and you ended up obviously with the, that first round pick, the first the pick you guys had on the board being Benedict Matherin. Yeah, clearly that worked out smashingly in year number one. And I'm going to get to Nimhart in a second, too, because that did as well. But did, did Matherin and give you exactly what you guys thought that he would even earlier than maybe you guys thought in his rookie season? Was it kind of what you thought in his workout, what you thought you were going to get, and what you got in year number one? Yeah, we knew we were going to get an extremely driven, motivated player who wants to be great. And I think that what we got to see was early returns on you know his work ethic and and his drive uh and what he wants to be as a player extremely coachable likes to be coached hard likes to be challenged a response to all of that and i just i think you saw the beginning of what what we think is going to be a really really great career and there was uh, there's tons of stuff for him to learn again like a rookie coming into the nba is it's a lot. It's probably like, you know, whatever the saying is of, of being, you know, the, the a fire hydrant through a hose or whatever the saying is. That's what well, that's what it's like for all rookies and, um, you know, for him too. And but, what's great is you could take him out, Rick and the coaching staff, correct, work with them, whatever, and go right back out. And um, I just I think you're just just saw the the scratch of the surface with how good he wants to be and and uh and and what he's going to do here Andrew Nimhart, I watch a lot of Gonzaga games, and I, I was completely wrong about how he, especially early on, translated. I thought that there would be a, a bit of a struggle against the higher caliber, quicker guards. Yeah. And maybe, Ryan, I was taking that off of that, that Baylor game with you know Davion Mitchell on the backcourt and the yeah. group of guards that they had, where it was a struggle for Gonzaga and, and certainly Nimhart of the national championship game. But was it surprising at all, the type of rookie season he had given the workout he gave you and the thoughts that you had watching tape and seeing him play live for Gonzaga? Yeah, with with Andrew, I mean what we you know, what we knew was the complete trust that Coach Few had in him. Um what we knew was his high level feel and IQ. Uh we thought honestly that he would have been picked at least like 10 picks sooner. We we had a much higher on our board. We were ecstatic when he was there, obviously, to pick him. And, um, and you know, what he showed from almost day one of rookie free agent camp before we went to summer league was, um, was what he showed in the pre-draft process. And it just kept getting better. So, you know, I, I think he – He's just really smart on the court. He has just a advanced feel. Um, he can play with the ball. He can play off the ball. It gave us a ton of uh, of options, uh, you know, in the backcourt. And just you know, he he's just fearless and 
and smart and he you know he goes out and i think when you have people that are willing to make the right play every single time and you know we've got three three guys primary ball handlers in in ty and tj mcconnell and andrew that you know you never have to worry about decisions with those with those three guys they just you know they'll they'll almost 100 percent of the time make make the right play and they make the guys that they play with better um, and that's such a, you know, a luxury um, to have. So, um, you know, a lot of teams would probably would probably like to have one of those guys, and, and we've, we've got all three of them, and they, you know, they, they helped us have, you know, get off to a great start and just have a season, you know, where, where we, were, we were playing some, some really good offensive basketball and particularly, as you alluded to earlier. Um, did you guys feel like that they were ahead of schedule? That was my feeling. I, I, I feel like that, that they were ahead of schedule, even though they didn't make the postseason. Um, and, and I know that it was a small thumbnail sketch of, you know, December when they really got hot before yeah. Tyrese got injured and went out for an extended period of time. And then obviously things didn't go as well yeah. then. But did you guys feel as a group within that organization that they were ahead of where you thought that they were going to be at that time with this group moving forward? This past year, well, I think yeah, I think you have to give the you know certainly give the players and give Rick and his staff both a ton of credit for you know for the work they did um, getting that team to come together and the number of young guys on the team and just everything meshing together. But again, like when you get when you get guys who want to play the right way and you get a coach who's coaching them to play the right way and and, and all the people behind it that's it's that's moving in the same direction it can be a lot of fun and you can you know you can you know move a little quicker and maybe overachieve a, a little bit and that was that was fun you know the the, the season ended kind of you know you you hit it on the head and um, we're looking forward to kind of adding add more to it and regrouping with the you know with the pieces and and seeing if we can't um, you know keep getting better so Ryan Carr with us before I let you go here, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you uh, you get intel, you get uh, information um, yeah. out there regarding the draft before these selections are made. Are, are you getting all this intel from other teams? Uh, I mean, not as much from other teams. Well, where where do mean, you where do you get it from? Yeah, well, there's there's really there's several uh, there's intel on players that's separate, and then the intel on the draft. I mean, agents you know, guys with other teams, it's like this massive rumor mill that you have to try to decipher what's true, what's not the misinformation that's, that's being spread. What, what, uh, what's for, the percentage of BS over actual truth? I mean, probably 98%. I mean, well, hell, that's what, that's what I said. I do here all the time. So I'm right on, yeah, I'm right on target. I was just about <laughs> ready to say, it's basically like listening to your show and then trying to figure it out. But I mean, <laughs> You know, it's it's entertaining, and some of it makes sense, and some of it, most of it doesn't. But I mean, you know, it's probably like listening to me for the last thirty minutes as well. Well, listen, and I prep everybody for the. I prep everybody because I mean, you guys, you guys got to keep things on the down low here a little bit. Uh, but you got, you know, we we kind of want to know if it's just a a, a tidbit, a tidbit of information, if you will, about what you guys might be be thinking. But you, all this. If you gather all this intel and 90% of it is BS, and I'm assuming 90% of it around the NBA is BS to all the other teams as well, 
that I, everybody's lying. You guys lie as much everybody. as everybody else. <laughs> we we try to do our part as much as everybody else. I mean, we you know we try we try to do our best. We you know and 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 do the best we can. But you know the the the, the truth of it is, no matter what, you know you 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 get into tomorrow night, and there's going to be you know at least a couple things that go. You're just every year. You're just waiting for the first thing that throws the whole thing, you know, off from what everybody was expecting. And your immediate thought is, how do we benefit from this? And in certain years, going all the way back to like Granger um, and different different guys, um, PG, uh, we you know we've Miles. We've been able to uh, we've been able to you know really benefit off of something that maybe went a little bit different than than what was expected and and that's a that's a big part of it that's why you prepare and and make sure that you're you've talked through every everything that you can and and you know do everything you can to make sure nothing you know throws you off or or anything like that i know you guys are glad i'm i was right about miles all along too i know i I know you've been a you've been a supporter and yes and it, it was uh you know, we're Miles is a great teammate. Miles is a really great player, and I, I just, I was, I've been, been ecstatic the way he's grown over the years. And you know, he, he had his best season last year, and we're hopefully he's going to do better than that next year. Uh, my producer's cussing me out, but I did have one final thing. Have um, okay. you guys? I, I know I'll give you a great example. I think Asar. Thompson last week was going to work out and then it got canceled I, I think late in that that whole reporting workout process yeah. do, you, do you guys still meet with anybody that you don't work out um yeah we we do that 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 was interesting John. did that, you meet with him just to, just to clear that up yeah we we met with him at the combine but just just to clear that up that things change in this process you would have no idea the different versions of each workout until we get there and we thought we had that set up and, and, you know, and it just so happened it changed and it, it canceled literally like two minutes after, you know, after it, it's a little bit of a long story, but it was, it was just unfortunate because it, it, you know, the timing, you know, looked bad, but, but it's stuff like that. It's a window into how fluid this whole, these th- these weeks are of going through workouts and putting guys together and who's coming in when and not coming in and this happens and that so it's a it's a it's a moving process in all all way shape and form like you'll there's oftentimes you know we didn't have anybody the night before that we had to but there's injuries there's sickness there's uh, any number of reasons why things change in those workouts. So it, it would be great if you could just say, okay, I want yeah. you this day, you this day, you this day, you this day. Um, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. So, yeah, that, that one, I think that's maybe in all my time the first time that we've, it, you know, we've thought it was good enough to release and then it changed. Um, but, you know, just that's the way that one But you, you feel that you have enough intel right now. You feel capable. Yeah, we feel, yeah, we feel right. great. Um, I, I, you know, there was, there's always a point in this process. I know you're probably really getting in trouble now, but there's, there's probably, there's a point in this process when, you know, in my position where like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we're going to have all this ready. It all works out. We all work really hard to get it. 
get it done in the yeah. last few days we've been you know i think we're we're really good with where we are and just been prepping through scenarios and and getting ready for tomorrow i know a lot of questions right there brother thanks for handling yeah, them as you normally do wow. I, I love being on when i get a chance to and um I'm looking forward to this Saturday night uh, for the GMV takeover. Oh my man, my man, right Heck there. Man. Well, yep. go out, go out and get a play because I mean, Chad Buchanan tried to say, "Well, the next couple of years," and I said, "BS." No, we we win this this year. All right, all right. I'm getting too old. I can't be waiting down the line. We got to get this thing expedited. So yeah, well, Chad Chad's one of the bosses. So if <laughs> if I said anything that contradicts him, make sure you go with what he said. Don't you worry, I will. So. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will, but just yeah, just yeah, we got to get this thing going here. So, mm-hmm. and the uh, best of luck tomorrow night, and uh, keep me in the loop, man. And uh, we'll get you back Thanks, on Sean. again soon. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, the Vice President of External Relations and Corporate Communications, a title so long that he needs a billboard, I think, to put that on. It's uh, Danny Lopez with us. So I just want to make sure you knew that that was not at all my fault. Blame that on Kevin Bowen, the reason why we ran along, okay? JMV, I've been bumped by better people than Kevin Bowen. Also worse people than Kevin Bowen, but better people than Kevin Bowen. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit about how – you guys, everybody involved, up the ante of All-Star Weekend, even more so with that announcement earlier today with the usage of Lucas Oil Stadium, cannot wait. Normally, I can wait a long time until, what, February? Now we yeah. can't wait until February. Yeah, no, this is this was going to be, you know, this is a significant announcement. And the reality is when, you, when most people think about All-Star, a lot of people associate All-Star with the dunk contest, the three-point contest. It's a lot of the memories that people have, especially if you grew up in the 80s and, and the 90s like I did. And so to have an event like that, that is that special and be able to put it in a, in, a, in a building like Lucas Oil, which lets us bring more people from the community than ever before at a totally different price point, right? It's unprecedented that you could have tickets on sale for this event at $24, $49, $79. It's just going to be awesome. And it's going to be a great opportunity to to prove that we're going to do this differently. We're, we're, um, I, I can't remember. Where are these events that coincide with NBA All-Star Weekend normally held? What type of venue? So it depends. I mean, so typically it's in it's in the same the same venue as as the All Star. Yeah, game. that's what and I thought. Second, yeah. yeah, but there's secondary venues that the NBA will use in any city. So it just depends. And we when we started this conversation, I mean, it was again, it was really about how do you have a building like this that is that is in on your campus that is so versatile that you can do so many things. You know, putting the game and that experience on the south end, and then being able to use the north end for different concerts or performances or whatever whatever the case is that they announced down the road, but you have a building like this, you got to take advantage of it. And again, it just fits with the theme. We are, we are really committed to ensuring that this is the most community focused all-star in the history of the league. And it, that's something that we take seriously. We've talked about it before on here actually with you. And so that's what this announcement really is about. 
Yeah, so concerts in one end, activities in the other. That is fantastic. And, and then price point wise, you know, we live in a world right now where it is, it is tough. We talk about this, I think, Danny, in terms of concerts, like everybody that's ever like strummed a guitar is out on tour right now. Right. And I mean, it, it is it, it's it's tough to, I think, designate your disposable income with everything that is going on. And, you know, financially speaking, as you brought up for this particular event or events inside Lucas Oil stadium that's got to be as price efficient for the public as we have seen in a while in salt lake city uh, you know the, the the cheapest ticket price was several hundred hundred dollars and and it's just an expensive ticket it's a great event it's an expensive ticket uh we wanted to make sure that it wasn't the case and when you've got thirty-five thousand seats to sell on um you know and and, and you, then you can let people in and and price it in a way that doesn't exclude uh, a whole you know whole swaths of the community Plus, you know, the other things that we announced today was, you know, we're, the host committee is going to purchase 2,400 tickets and then use our network of community organizations to distribute them to families that otherwise would never come to Lucas Oil for this kind of an event. And then we're going to have, the, you know, Indigo with, with the free bus rides uh, over that four-day period to make sure that it's easy for people to get into downtown uh, and then get out when uh, if they're heading out when, when the event is over. So everything that we're doing around All-Star Saturday Night is, is designed to, to try to make this as community-friendly as possible. It's uh, Danny Lowe. Lopez of the Pacers, the Vice President of External Relations and Corporate Communications. With announcement earlier today uh, regarding that and more. All right, so uh, who are you eyeballing for? Con- do you have anything to do with the, the concert stuff, or is that all NBA-driven? No, no. Uh, so, yeah, but there's there, there's going to be announcements coming, so we're not ready to talk about that oh, yet. Oh, crap. We got, we, hey, we've got tons, tons of months and lots of excuses for me to come on, James. <laughs> Well, I wanted to hand. I was ready to hand out some advice, but I guess yeah. not right here. I don't want to. I don't want to put you. You know, I'm. I'm going to put Ryan Carr on the spot here at five, so I'll leave you off at the spot. Okay. Sounds good. I won't good. put you, won't put you on it. that. Um, well, I mean, I got. I got bumped. So I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> least, that's the least you can do. So, Daddy Lopez is with us too. When you when you look at this event, it has been a long time coming, and I, I know you know well before you got here as well from from what you have gathered what why has it been so long since 1985 until now i know a lot of it has been certainly recently pandemic driven but why has it been since 1985 until now yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, you know, remember that when we bid on this, it was 2017 when, yeah. when Larry drove drove that Indy car down Fifth Avenue. So we've been at, at this for quite a long time. I mean, what's what's really cool about this one in particular is, you know, when you think about Herb as the longest tenured owner in the NBA, his special relationship with, with Adam and with the league, uh, and this being, you know, the obviously the last All Star that for for him, uh, it's going to be special. And then with Fusen, you know, was brought into the organization almost 40 years ago to do the 1985 all-star and, and now, you know, bookending his career essentially as our CEO and being able to, to do this one. I mean, it, this, this one has a lot of really special aspects to it um, that we're, we're incredibly excited about. And it's, and it's why we're, we've, you know, we've got a host committee of 400 people and we've, we've been working essentially for seven years to try to make this a, a really special event. And Danny, I'm kind of curious about this. I don't know how many people might be, but you mentioned going back to 2017 and, you know, Larry and the IndyCar and, you know, announcing this, uh, how much evolution has there been between that moment you know, going through a pandemic and then where you are now, much less than a year um, away from hosting this event. How different was it then compared to how different is it with that in your sights now? 
Well, I mean, I think from both a sort of tangible and intangible way, it's different, right? When, when, you know, obviously from the standpoint that we, from 2021, we completed construction on Fieldhouse of the Future. We're getting ready to cut ribbon on the uh, Bicentennial Unity Plaza, which will be another space that we can activate during the event and connects up the neighborhoods around downtown. Uh, so there's elements, there's physical elements of, of this that are going to be different than what we would have been able to do in 2021. So that's a cool aspect of it. Uh, but then I think just even the way this organization operates now and this commitment to the community, I mean, to hear Rick talk about in 1985, it was about producing the event, you know, the, the best event you possibly could produce for the fans. But there wasn't a whole lot of thought given to how you make this inclusive and how you pull the community into it and how you engage neighborhoods around downtown and how you do fun activations that make this so much more than basketball. And I think since 2020, for sure, but, you know, for the last several years, we've just been thinking differently as a company about uh, how we uh, how we activate things both on and off the court, and they're equally important now. So, uh, so I mean, from that standpoint, this is going to be a very different event than than what you know what we were planning for for twenty one. It's uh, uh, definitely amazing. There's no doubt about that. So again, you, it's uh, Danny Lopez with us at the Pacers. Uh, the announcement earlier today, I just kind of gave the thumbnail sketch on the uh, the All Star other festivities of the All Star weekend going to be at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. What else can the fans around here certainly soak up? once February arrives. Yeah, so that's one of the things we, we try to reinforce. Whether or not you're coming to the game, and there was some social media chatter about, you know, why are we doing the game at Lucas Oil? We're not doing the game at Lucas Oil. The game is at GameBridge on Sunday uh, afternoon. So I want to make that clear. Uh, the All-Star game is still here. But whether or not you're coming to any of these events, um, you know, there's going to be Fan Fest. We'll make announcements on that. There'll be a really cool Fan Fest this year. Uh, and then there's just stuff going on. One of the things about All-Star is that you've got pop-up retail and culinary, food stuff, and arts projects that are going to be going on, music all throughout downtown. I mean, there's going to be tons of things for people to do uh, when they get downtown to just walk around and experience. And we want people from 92 counties to come down here and experience everything that All-Star has to offer, whether or not you're coming to the game. Look at that. Danny Lopez with a 92 counties reference right there. Well done. <laughs> How about that? Well done right there. It's like, it's, like I've, it's like I've done this before. All right. So you know what 28 means if you see it on a license plate in the lower right-hand corner? You know where they're from? I don't. I it's, don't. It's Green County, Danny Lopez. That's Green County. Is that right? Come on, man. No kidding. Well, now I know. See, I'm going to use that next time. Well, it's about I as – it's about as, 28 and 29, I'll give you a great example. Where, do you live in Hamilton County? I do. Okay, so you're just a you're just a number away, and that's about as close as Greene County and Hamilton County will ever be in anything. I never, cons- I never considered the numbers on the license plates, and I probably should <laughs> But you learn something. Look, I woke up this morning. I said, I'm going to learn one thing. Yes. Every day I try to learn one thing. That's my thing for the day. Well, that's going to be the first time anybody's ever going to tell you they learned something on this show between 3 and 6. <laughs> right here. Let me tell you. But, no, hey, congratulations. And I know that th- this is certainly an eyeball full for all you guys right now. But, you know, I know it started, you know, well, you know, even before 2017, and it has been a, a long time coming. So congratulations to how this this event's ever evolving and you know as as people normally do around here i never say i'm a part of it even though i certainly embrace being a part of it and knowing how great things are run around here it'll be another fantastic event yeah it will be and and we really do appreciate you, you having us on and giving us a chance to talk about this stuff it's exciting it's significant. We want the community to be excited about it. All right. I appreciate that. By the way, I believe that the week after that's the combine again, right? Yeah, At Lucas Oil Stadium. 
there, there is there is so much happening over the next couple of weeks. We've got the swimming, you know, where you're out from the swimming trials. We've got so much happening here over the next year, year and a half. And it's just, you know, we've got to get better about telling the story and talking about the things that we do really well, the things that we host, because there's just a ton going on, JMV. There's man, a ton. There is. Hey, Danny, I appreciate it as always, man. You call in any time, but congratulations on moving forward with this, and it's going to be a great year, no doubt. All right. Thanks, JMV. I appreciate it. Have a great one. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline Morning Show, Kevin Inquiry, weekday mornings, that is 7 until 10 a.m. And apparently the Webb Simpson of our radio station getting set for what is going to be an incredible golf outing. Coming up at back nine, we were shooting commercials for it, promos for it yesterday. Kevin Bowen's with us. You're the Webb Simpson of this station, I hear. I, I don't. Is that a compliment? Um, he's he won a U.S. Open, didn't he? Yeah, you are right. I don't know. I feel like on the PJ Tour, he kind of has a. I don't know what his rap is. I don't know if it's the greatest rap. So if I'm Webb Simpson, I watched you hit a couple. I think you've got some sneaky game. I just go out there and let her rip. <laughs> so we, and you mashed that first one. We don't I take you were any something downtown. We don't. We don't take any time. We don't take any practice cuts or anything like that. Because I, I say the same when I shoot. I don't want to. I want to waste anything. Like for example, if I'm warming up and they go in, and I go. Oh, I just wasted one here already. So I like to. Well, I like to like do it when it matters. So I didn't want to waste anything. But uh, and again, I was hitting. I was like the dude that rolled up to Kilroy Sports Bar right on a Saturday night, pairing uh, carrying this little case with his screw together pool cue in it, like he's Tom Cruise and the color of money. <laughs> so I was just like that guy yesterday, bringing my one dog up there. I did die laughing when I looked back, and there you are with your golf clubs. I'm like, oh, my God. I thought I grabbed my wedge, and I grabbed a four-wood hybrid, too. <laughs> yeah. Really really trying to reach to all parts of the golf bag there. I go, wait a minute. Never know. What am I going to do with this? And you want to hit your hybrid. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do with this is what I thought, man. But, no, it was, it was fun yesterday with you guys, and this is going to be a great event. Yeah. I can't wait. And honestly, I think it was fun for us three. We're obviously different skill levels of of golf, and I think that's exactly what will make the event so fun is that that's the perfect place to have various skill levels and the games you can play there and certainly music, drink, food, the whole thing, going for a great cause. So I'm really looking forward to being out there. And if you haven't been, I just think it's in a spot of downtown that obviously – um, from an entertainment standpoint, it's trying to do something. Yep. It, 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 it's a great location, I think, for that. We don't really have anything, I think, from like a venue standpoint, certainly in that part of downtown, uh, that can handle it. So it was crowded yesterday when we were there, you know, just after lunch. And uh, can't wait for uh, for July 11th and uh, all, all the details for it. Uh, up on our website, 1075 The Fan. So it's, I always uh, kind of get forced into these situations, right? I say forced. Um, I use that loosely. I stayed until 3 o'clock and drank. <laughs> for my day off. So I go in there on my day off to do that, and I go, yeah, I'm going to come in there and do this and go back home, and then I stayed there and had drinks. Yeah, that's me. 
side when I was like, yeah, I got to run to the dentist. And and I forgot that it was the day off for you. I'm thinking, boy, he might post up. Yeah. He'll set up shopping here and throw a few bags and count some drivers for the next <laughs> yeah, few hours. That's exactly what happened right there. I, I do love that place. Like my my, the best time I had was going up to level three right there in the middle, and you yeah. can you can see absolutely everything, and it is it is fun. Yeah, I was talking to Matt Matt Taylor about it last week. He's like, yeah, we went on a Friday or Saturday night a couple weeks. That was the second time that I had been there. Uh, but Matt, to the day went there on a Friday or Saturday night a few weeks ago, he's like, it was absolutely packed. And I feel like it's got a really good, like, kind of seating area for when you aren't hitting or, again, if you're just, you know, wanting to mingle and, you know, watch sports. And I love the two big screens they have at the end of the range. So that's, I think, a pretty unique part of it. So, you know, you just look out there and, you know, whatever the game is on or whatever the sporting event's on, they're going to have that, uh, which I, I think is pretty unique as well. So, it's a cool spot, to say the least. Yeah, it is. So it's Kevin Bowen, the morning show. Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. Here Monday through Friday on The Fan on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I, I guess kind of what we've all been talking about, the Pacers maneuvered in a deal with the Nuggets earlier today. Denver got 29-32. and 32. Uh, The Pacers, meantime, uh, will get a 2024 first-rounder that is dependent upon like 900 different things, I guess, transpired, see whatever else, and then a, a second rounder i believe another second rounder this year overall what'd you think about this is this just a precursor to what is set to come because i I mentioned this earlier kev i i expect an oh wow 48 hours around here i don't know if i'm gonna get it but i expect it yeah this is something that i actually was talking about earlier today on on the morning show of in no way were you ever going to spend all five picks i mean you got 12 dudes under under contract for next season so just purely from a numbers standpoint um, you weren't going to do that, nor do you want to do that financially. And, like, you know, are you going to get all these guys minutes? And it, it just never made sense to simply select one player with, with each of those picks. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, yeah, I mean, everyone I think would like to trade off, but you have to have a willing trade partner for, for that. And I think you're going to get to a point, you know, I think hopefully for the Pacers' sake very soon, where you're going to have a great start to a season. And, I mean, last year – if the Pacers were, you know, maybe a year or two down the road, you could have said, hey, should they be a buyer at the deadline, considering where their record was? And obviously the Halliburton injury, you know, turned turn things in the opposite direction. But if you get to, you know, early February next season, let's say you're the fourth seed in the East or you're the third seed in the East, and all of a sudden you want to try and make a buy move at the deadline, now here you are with two first-round picks next year. Um, and the ability to, okay, instead of trying to acquire all the picks by trading away Brogdon and trading away Karis LeVert, now it's can you make the move that Cleveland made with you or that Boston made with you to try and get that extra piece to help out your playoff run. So I thought it was a very smart move. Uh, like you said, it's a bit complicated. They don't get Denver's pick. Um, it should be a pick, I, I, I would guess, somewhere in the 20s. We'll have to see how all of that plays out over the next year, uh, but this to me made total sense because it keeps you, you know, having the covered stocks a little bit uh, from a flexibility standpoint uh, next off season and potentially next year. And I think at some point you're going to want to shift things from this, you know, acquiring all the picks and you know, building all this draft capital, all of that. And I get that that's tiresome for a lot of people, but I think it's that balance of still have something so you can make a move whenever you feel like that time 
arrives where, okay, let's push a few more chips into the middle of the table. It's uh, Kevin Bowen with us. It was reported yesterday that the Pacers are in a spot right now where they actually do believe that they're far ahead. I shouldn't say far. That's inaccurate. But they are ahead of schedule in their belief, and they're acting accordingly. Did you buy that? Yeah, I don't know if I completely buy it. I guess we'll find out in the next 30 hours, right? I mean, it, it, if they feel that way, I would assume that number seven then would get moved for some veteran, and whoever that is, um, you know, the DeAndre Hunter, the OG Ananobi, um, you know, Tobias Harris, all these other wing names that I feel like have been thrown around. So, you know, free agency starts in uh, in July, so obviously is on the horizon as well, but I would think if you're going to make a move of substance from a win now ish standpoint, it would happen here before you know things get underway tomorrow night at at eight o'clock. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm there yet, where it's just like push, boom, all the chips into the middle of the table, and you feel like you're Boston and Milwaukee, and you're going to make a big splash with a guy that like, okay, he's now the highest paid player on the team, and I mean like Tobias Harris, would that push you over the like? That to me doesn't do it. Um, I still think you kind of want to organically let Halliburton and Matherin grow together. We still haven't even seen them in the starting lineup um, for you know any sort of substance. So um, I, I'd probably hold off on, on doing anything too, too crazy. But if it made sense and you were able to move a guy and still get you know a relatively young piece that could help you out on the defensive end of the floor and guarding wings, you obviously have to field all the calls on that. So I think expectations for this team – and obviously the next 10, you know, 14 days will uh, alter this a bit. But I think expectations should be for this team to be in the playoffs next year. And I actually think probably to be out of the playing part of the playoffs. I think if, you know, health cooperates, I think this is a team that can be a top six team in the, in the Eastern Conference. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think what has now, you know, who has become the, the team leader would agree with that too in Tyrese Halliburton. I think he would agree with exactly as to what you just said. And, you know, something we talked about earlier today, John, with Halliburton, you know, he, he's doing the Team USA stuff late in the summer. I, I forget where the World Cup is. I want some reason the Philippines is popping in my head. But, yeah, there will be the World, you know, games uh, coming up this year. And, you know, with Halliburton getting that Team USA exposure, I mean, that is an opportunity for him to, you know, pitch himself and, and I, I guess maybe pitch the Pacers to these guys about, hey – you know, you guys watch us play. You you you've heard these positive things. Um, now you can you know, obviously play alongside me with Team USA, and I think that could be an attractive piece. Obviously, money's going to call and be the end all be all of it. But I do think Halliburton is a really really attractive guy to want to play with, and I feel like the Team USA experience could allow him to, you know, potentially be that recruiting chip in a very kind of hands on setting with some of these guys. So I'll, I'll be really interested to see how all of that plays out. You know, probably not in the immediacy, but maybe down the road of, I really enjoyed that. Um, Halliburton seems like a dude that, you know, guys enjoy playing with. Why not, you know, try and, uh, you know, make a move to the Pacers. I'm telling you, we felt this way twice prior, and certainly around here everybody was let down. This does not seem like that it's nearly the same. No, I, I, I've always – felt like Halliburton is just wired differently. I, I haven't, you know, obviously I haven't hung out with him for long, long periods. I did do a Thanksgiving event over with the Pacers back last fall, and it was Halliburton and his family. 
and they just seem like such a down-to-earth group, and, and all of them. I mean, parents, Tyrese, his girlfriend, I mean, everybody seemed like, you know, that, that Midwest feel to it. And I think it helps in a way. And I know Victor Oladipo and Paul George were not like five-star, can't-miss prospects. You know, in, in Paul's case, you know, he, he wasn't a top-five pick. Um, so I, I know some of their background. It can be similar to Halliburton. But I do love the fact that Halliburton has kind of always been a little bit under-recruited, wasn't even really the lead guy always at Iowa State, certainly wasn't viewed as the lead guy for, for Sacramento. And I think he's got a little bit of that chip on him. But at the same time, I think he's very content living the life that he has right now. And, I mean, he's like Paul, he's super into fashion, and he certainly has major interest off the floor. But I just think he is a little bit more of what is going to make my basketball brand the best. And I think it's quarterbacking this team. And the Pacers got to continue to support him, whereas I think decisions with the other two, it might have been what is going to help my brand, not just your basketball brand. And I feel like with Halliburton, he views it in a little bit of a different light. And I think he's got an unbelievable basketball IQ when you watch him play. And I think he gets like, all right, the this is a great environment for me. The early returns are pretty positive when you look at the rebuild and how it's going, as long as you continue to go down that path. And obviously, I assume he signs the extension here coming up later this, um, the, this summer. I, I, I fully believe he's going to be here uh, for, for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, I, I look back at both those two and you know, Oladipo and Georgia once upon a time. We, we did feel the same, but it certainly evolved over time and – it just seems like Halliburton is is legit in wanting to build this and build this with those around him now as a part of this nucleus and then the additions of those moving forward as Kevin Bowen joins us. Speaking of which, um, I know that it was cited, and I think these reports came out of Phoenix. Did you buy at all the, the reported still having interest in DeAndre Ayton and Rick Carlisle. To me, it seems like Phoenix and really those that cover Phoenix and Phoenix themselves are trying to find any way, any means possible to get he and that contract the hell out of the desert, right? But I, I, I guess I would not understand at all why anybody around here now would think that Aiton would be a better option than Turner on any level, whether I'm talking about the head coach here or some clown that's listening to me right now or me being the clown himself. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean – Wing defense is where you need to, um, I think, commit the number seven pick to coming up tomorrow night. Or if you're going to move that pick um, for a veteran, there has to be a prowess on that end of the floor for you. Uh, I mean, I, I think just straight up, Turner is is a better rim protector than Aiden. Aiden probably a better overall rebounder. But I, I don't think all of a sudden Aiden for Turner upgrades you from a defensive standpoint because Turner hasn't been the issue. And sure, overall rebounding can get better, but you just expose or you leave Turner on an island way too often from an inability to stop anybody on the perimeter. And I guess it gets back a little bit to the Halliburton and, and what you've built. You know, obviously I think Tyrese would excel with DeAndre Ayton, but to me that just kind of ruffles things up and is, is, is a bit of the risk that I, I don't really see a ton of return on it or that being worthwhile. I think if you're going to make a risk like that or take a risk, that's where it's got to be a guy that is a wing and can help you out in a position of major need. I don't, I don't even know what the trade package would look like to get an Aiton, but yeah, I'm not, 
Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying it. Man, I know this kind of started with the report that yeah, this is how Monty Williams felt, and he would have rather had a deal and have Miles in Phoenix than he he did wanting DeAndre Ayton. But and when I read yesterday that uh, reportedly, and again, like 90% of this crap right now is inaccurate. I think we know that. There's a lot of smoke being blown around here, up rear ends and so on and so forth. But when I read that, I thought, why in the world would anybody around here, much less the head coach, have any interest in that whatsoever? Because beyond what you just said, and especially any combination working with as a big Tyrese Halliburton, which will automatically make you better, that guy's been a malcontent most of the time in Phoenix. Why would you even want to mess with that? Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm not sitting here acting like the Pacers need to have a bunch of choir boys on their roster because they don't. And at some point you are going to reach that, that that time of like, okay, you need to change change some things up to try and get over whatever that next hump is. And, you know, for the Pacers back a decade ago, it was, all right, go out and get a guy like David West, who's certainly wired differently and was a huge, huge part of the Pacers making those runs and, you know, on the doorstep of a couple of NBA final trips there in the 2011 and 12 and 13 season. So uh, I don't think you're there yet, though. Uh, and especially, again, for a big guy that it's not like he walks in and you're like, oh, boy, multiple titles or multiple deep playoff runs. I mean, there was times with Phoenix where you know, DeAndre Ayton wasn't on the floor for critical playoff possession. So it, it just it doesn't make sense on the risk of that and the return. If you are going to invest or take a chance right now, it's got to be for a wing. It's got to be for a four, however you want to describe it. I don't think a potential, and I say that in quotes, a potential upgrade from a Turner to an Aiton is something that all of a sudden takes you to a different stratosphere in the Eastern Conference. Uh, To me, it does not at all, and that's why I I, I just – Every time I see the headline, I'm kind of like, where is this, you know? Oh, I, I think it's all to, like, Phoenix stuff. Up. It's all Phoenix stuff because they, it seems like that there is a, a kind of a joint effort to see where they can get this guy the hell out of Dodge and find anybody that has any basketball acumen that can back up, you know, these players that they went over the top to get out there. And if this, you know, explodes, they're going to be done for a long time. It just kind of seems like they're trying to find a seat someplace else by any means necessary. Yeah. That's a good point. And again, credit to the Pacers for, you know, being in a position right now where from a cap space standpoint or a you know roster standpoint, they are kind of viewed in that light of, hey, they they are close. They obviously still need a couple more things. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Pritchard's done a really nice job of, you know, maintaining where they are from a cap space standpoint. But that kind of goes back to the earlier question, John, about about the trade today and getting a you know twenty twenty four first rounder from Denver. You know, there is going to be a time somewhat soon where you're paying Halliburton a whole different amount of money than you're paying him right, right now. So you aren't always going to have the same sort of cap space flexibility. You would hope that you're not drafting in the top 10 like you have each of the last two years. So that's why this move made a whole lot of sense for me. Didn't want to spend all five draft picks. Get one for next year. And now you can do a couple of things. Again, if you get in a win-now mode come January or February, and boom. You can move that pick then. Or if you end the season and let's say that pick is at 25 and your pick's at 18, now you've got two first-round picks. Package those together, move into the lottery. You know, there, There's a lot of different options that you can do, and I think it's really, really important to continue to try and maintain some of that because let's be honest, as much as I would like to think a Tyrese Halliburton ability to recruit guys at Team USA could work out, I'll believe it when I see it of guys signing on the dotted line to come here in free agency. 
in this market, you're still going to have to organically build it, largely oh, through the no. draft. And organically. Kev. Kev. Well. Not organically. No. Is that on the note? Is that on the band? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Organic. Unique uh, unique and organic. Unique and organic are what old radio people use that don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> unique and organic. I still love yeah, you, though. You know I that. Unique yeah, a few times. That's okay. Just that little warning shot right there. No unique and no organic. Not in the but, Eastern Green Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt. Like three words in that thing. Cat, rat, dog. About <laughs> it. Uh, it's uh, Kevin Bone with us. Morning show, Kevin and Query. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Quickly, though, if you're talking about the, the most often mentioned wing possibilities in any trade, um, Ananobi, right? Uh, Finney Smith, right? And Tobias Harris has been mentioned, too. Let's just take those three for example. Would anyone give you cause to part with number seven? Because with me, certainly Ananobi would. The other two would not. How about you? Yeah, with those three, it'd probably be in that order. I do think DeAndre Hunter, he was the other name that Jonathan Gavoni threw out there uh, from, from ESPN. Yes, yeah, DeAndre Hunter's uh, another one, too. He would probably be second on the list if I was going to rank those guys kind of one to four. I, I do think the three-point shot, um, you know, it's not potent, but I, I, it, it's serviceable. And, you know, he is known as a pretty good defender. And, again, he's in such a ball-dominant situation with Trey Young. If you gave him, he's going to have a ton of the ball here with Halliburton and Matherin. But, you know, he'd be a little bit more in offensive minded role. I take it from 14, 15 a game to 18 or 19 a game, something like that. So he would be one that I would that I would look at. And to me, it's probably a big gap. I mean, Ananobi clearly would be one. I think Hunter would clearly be two. And I don't even want – I mean, Finney Smith, I don't know. To me, at times, I'm like, isn't he just kind of like a yeah. role player for yeah, you? Yes, yeah, there, yeah. You know, That's not nearly enough right there. So I didn't. Yeah, definitely not seven. I mean, yeah, that doesn't not. float. I, I think what also maybe floats it a little bit is the fact that if you know if it's Ananobi, for example, you go seven and maybe you 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 do some other things with those picks and allow yourself to squeeze back in with that that Raptors pick, you know, in round number one. Maybe you can do something with that. I don't know. Maybe I shine the spotlight more there than the others. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Yeah, because they got the late lottery pick, right, don't they? Right. So I mean that that is that is so so having your cake and eating it too, which is an absolute unknown with the Pacers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean I would think, and I mean based off all the reports out there, and obviously they had a trade go through today. You've got to think the Pacers are one of the more active teams, Correct. either making calls or fielding them. Yeah. Right now, considering all the draft picks and all the guys under contract, and this. You know, internal dilemma they're having. I mean, I would think a huge chunk of late April into May was about, all right, where are we? Are we still in the rebuild, or are we putting the pedal to the metal a little bit more? Um, certainly, you field all the calls, and you're very open-minded to all of it because you can actually do these things. These aren't far-fetched things that 90% of the league can't do. You are in a position to listen and to potentially act. And so, you know, how that transpires over the next 36 hours. I mean, the, the NBA never has a shortage of off-season drama, uh, particularly from a, you know, player acquisition standpoint. Um, so I, I would think Indiana has got to be one of the more frequently called teams, and they are, you know, making those calls as well. And 
you know, again, a major, major credit to Kevin Pritchard. The trio of drafts of Aaron Holiday and TJ Leaf and Goga Batadze are long in the rearview mirror. And you have now executed, I think, a really, really strong year, year and a half of this rebuild. And, you know, what you do in the next 36 hours will be a massive part of continuing that. And obviously that, that'll bleed into July uh, when free agency happens as well. They also have a sense of humor, especially Buchanan, who sent me a Miles Turner jersey after I went after him about um, feeling good and fortunate that that whole signing to an offer sheet of DeAndre Aiden didn't work out. So <laughs> Did he really? he sent me, they, yeah, he sent me he sent me a Turner jersey. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> that was almost. Like I mean, dude, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I. I it is funny. It, it it made me laugh when I picked it up downstairs. I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's hey, great. I, I got to go really quick here. The Reds have won eleven in a row. Oh. We are uniting as Reds fans, really, for the first time in forever. And I'm I'm allowing everybody to soak it up because again, it's it's such rarefied air where this ever happens. How do you feel about this squad in the last eleven? I mean, to have done something with the win today that the 70 Big Red Machine of you know, the, 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 that decade didn't accomplish, I mean, that is astonishing to me. I mean, winning 11 straight in baseball, period, is. But, you know, can you consider the history of the Reds, particularly in that era, um, you know, it dates back to, I think it was 57, I believe it was, or maybe it was 67, uh, the last time that they've won 11 in a row. And the games are just so entertaining. I thought Joey Votto had a great comment. I don't know if you caught him on Dan Patrick earlier, but Votto was like, you know, when I when the team was kind of built around me, you know, to make the NBA comparison, we were a throw it in the post type of team. Yeah, it was slow, methodical, and you're hitting home runs and striking out. And now they just got a spark and a spunk to them. And yep. obviously, Dayla Cruz is a huge part of that. But you know, balls just get put in play, and then boom. Let your speed kind of take over. It's got a little bit more of kind of a high school, college feel to it, um, which, again, is not kind of how the modern game is played. But I love it, and I, I hope we're having the same conversation in you know, July 20th or July 21st and into August as well. And Who knows? Maybe they are buyers now here in a month. Hey, Kev, have you ever been blamed for something that not, that's not your fault? When's the last time that happened? Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. When's Probably. the last time you got blamed for something that's not your fault? Um, I, I'm sure Jake has done that to me before on the morning show or something. Yeah. All right. Hey, James, lock Kev in. Okay. Really quick. Uh, this one's for Jake. Lock Kev in on the line here. Make sure I don't lose him. Kev, you up here? Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still up. Make him sure. Can you lock? Put him locked down there. All right. Hold on a second. Uh, Danny Lopez just called in for. His shot on the show here. Hey, Danny, are you there? Of the I'm Pacers? Here. How are you, Jamie? Uh, yep. Kevin Bowen went way too long here, so I apologize for that. Can you wait through the break? I sure can. No problem. You got it, buddy. We'll be back with you in a second. Thank you. That's uh, Danny Lopez <laughs> right there. <laughs> you and hitting out are never, you know, fortunately for the Reds right now, they are also not hitting a lot of outs. You and hitting your outs on time, never been a forte, right? Oh, it's not. It is not. But I blamed you right there. I blamed you. All right, buddy. We'll be listening 7 a.m. to morning, see if anything else happens. 7 until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning on NBA Draft Day. Should be great. Thanks, buddy. See you, guys. 
Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.